And that's the struggle most people have, right? Making habits that are repetitive enough that they become internalized, that you do them, your brain triggers them no matter what. Hi, welcome to Focus on Progress, the podcast for you, the online business owner who wants to see more progress in your business, in your life, and in the lives of those you lead. I'm Richard Relston. In this podcast, you'll hear stories from people who are doing amazing and interesting things. And you'll also hear that their journey has not always necessarily been straightforward and easy. They've often had to face difficulties and figure out how to overcome them. We'll uncover the thoughts and ideas that have enabled them to move forward and make progress despite the challenges. My guest today is Mitch Onger. Mitch started his career as a software developer with Boeing. One day after reading an article on Mac Rumors, he decided to start his own website. His blog became very popular in its niche until one day somebody told him he was an imposter. This rocked him but it led to a time of soul searching where he eventually discovered what really fires him up. In this episode, Mitch shares with us how he started a blog and then got laid off from his job of 32 years. We talk about the importance of consistency and how this was so important to making his business a success. We talked about why we need to listen carefully to our audience and how powerful it is to use our audience's words when we're talking back to them. And we also discussed how to use your thank you page to grow your own business fast. Hi, Mitch. Welcome to Focus on Progress. Great to have you here today. Richard, I am so excited. You know I love chatting with you, so this is going to be fun. Yeah, we do have a lot of fun, don't we? A lot of laughs. So, Mitch, you're up to all sorts of things at the moment. You've always got a new idea on the uh, on the go. So so can you tell us what what's um, re- what's really exciting you at the moment? Well, Richard, as you know, I've read the book called The One Thing. So I'm focusing on as many things as I can possibly do, (laughs) right? Uh, But my one main thing is that I have launched a new branding on my business called Thank You Page Magic, which has had this big evolution, which I'm sure we'll dive into in a few minutes. Yeah. Uh, The other thing that I am sort of passionate about is this tool called Searchy. So I have sort of a sub business where I'm trying to get some affiliate income from that tool. So, okay, so that's interesting. So you've got these two things on the go. So who do you serve? Who are your clients? My clients are entrepreneurs, small businesses who are trying to start a business or have a business running. I'm not really going after the big gang. They can all come and do their own stuff and... I've I've been in the big game before, also, which is where we'll we'll go in a few minutes, I'm sure. But I want to help the people that are doing the most for helping the world, and that's entrepreneurs. They're they have small businesses. They're wanting passionately to do something, and so I want to help them be better. Mm, mm. And so, I mean, we'll get into it when we talk about Searchy a little bit and Thank You Page Magic as we go on. Those are two things that I love as well. And I love what you're doing with Thank You Page Magic. And I think I think our listeners are going to love that as well when they hear about what that's all about and how effective it can be, especially at helping you build your list. But you didn't just suddenly get your or suddenly find yourself here, did you? you you've had another life. So, so again, let, let's wind back the clock. And did you study... 
before going into business or? <laughs> oh, great question, Richard. No, I had absolutely no intention of doing what I'm doing anywhere along the line until the last several years. I started out as a software developer in Boeing. Dun, huh. dun, dun, 32 years of software development. So were you actually writing code? Yeah. I web websites and batch processes earlier on when I was right out of college. But it was it was fascinating to me because I've and I realistically as I tell this story, you'll see that I fell into many of these things. When I went to college back in 1976, computers were not something that everybody held in their hand, right? They right. were in a big room. The universities had them, big businesses had them. And I went to college, never other than receiving like our schedule that was printed out in high school on a computer, never touched one, took a computer basics class in the first semester. And I went, holy crap, this is what I want to do. This right. was fun. Logic yeah. of bits and bytes and this and that. And I was just really psyched. I, I knew right then and there that that's what I was going to do. Changed my major, declared it as computer science, bam, off we went. 20, 30 years into Boeing, I'm still loving software development. Okay, yeah. 20, 25 years. So so it is but something you're really passionate about. You, fa you found a passion. I was, yes. <laughs> I was very passionate about it. I loved it. It was, it was so easy for me. Stuff that other people couldn't figure out, I would dive in and figure them out. I'd get the phone call at three o'clock in the morning. I'd have the problem solved in 15 minutes. Everybody else is panicking. The, the planes are going to fall out of the sky kind of stuff. And I'm like, eh, we got it. <laughs> okay. And, and uh, no planes did fall out of the sky, I hope. No. No, no oh, not to my knowledge. Well, that's a good thing, and um, but the, I'm not sure about the three the three a.m. call. That that's kind of, I mean, I mean, it's nice to think that you're the call guy and uh, that you're the guy that fixes everything. But uh, three a.m. in the morning must get a little bit old. It it was okay when I was in my twenties, right, right out of college. Oh right? yeah, I was okay with that. Now, oh my God, I would I would not even answer the phone. I've got my ringer on silent, baby. Yeah, <laughs> I'm asleep. Absolutely, me too. Me no too. way. Yeah. So, but you got to go through those things, right? You got to burn through helping people fix problems in order to learn how to do it better. Oh, absolutely. I think it's you know it's those who can solve problems end up becoming the leaders. They're the ones that change the world. They're the ones that help other people get results. And it is all about uh, solving problems. It's an idea that I came across about 30 years ago and uh, should have written the book, but somebody else did, called Problems Are The Way. And that's how I was raised through my late teenage years, through my degree and through my early working life. It's like, if you can find a problem and solve it, uh, you become quite a valuable asset to whoever's paying you. So yeah, I totally get that. But you're not at Boeing anymore. What happened? No. <laughs> well, uh, so in 2008, I, I was, I'm a Mac guy. You know, I love Macs. And I saw an article that was written by 
Arnold Kim was the guy who owned Mac Rumors. And Mac Rumors right. was a big, still is a big it still website is. Yeah. for finding all kinds of information. But the article that he wrote was that he had quit his day job because he was making so much money running Mac Rumors. And I, I, love, went, cool. I love it when that happens. I yeah. love it when that happens. And guess what? He was a practicing physician with his own private practice. He sold it. So he was making big bucks, right? I mean, theoretically, a private physician with his own practice should be wow. making a lot of money. I, I didn't and if know he's that. making more money on this website, man, okay, so so my mind is going, I want to be that guy. Uh, right? You got curious. Yeah. Now, I knew that I didn't want to do a software blog because by that time, eh, after 25, 30-ish years, I'm pretty tired of software. I'm kind of over it, but I'm yeah. doing it because yeah. I got to feed the family, you know, going to do retirement, all that kind of stuff. That's going to be where I'm going to end my career. Can I just clarify something here? So sure. you're you're still working at Boeing at this point in time, right? And right. you've come across Mac rumors, and right. you've heard about this guy who was a physician, right. but he's sold his practice because he's making more money on his blog, right? And exactly. You're getting curious. You're wondering what this yeah. is all about, right? Right, right. But I knew that I did not want to create a software blog. Right. Right. I I was just kind of done with software, mm. and that wasn't my passion. And I thought to myself, well, what's my passion? Well, I was doing photography at the time, and digital was becoming very popular. And so... I was kind of poking around in the photography world and a new camera was released called the Canon 5D Mark II. Oh yeah, I and remember that. It it was the first small DSLR that could shoot 1080 HD video and the filmmaking community went crazy. They did. I they did. Yeah. My my brother, yeah. my brother is in London and he has a 3D film hire company. So so uh -huh. he was working in this and, and right. they all got really, really concerned for, uh, for about five minutes. I mean, it did change a whole lot of stuff. It, it, oh, really, yeah. it really encouraged people to kind of buck up their ideas and what they were doing and how they were working. It did change exactly. the industry. Exactly. And thinking back to that article, I said, okay, this is it. This is the thing. And I started a website called Planet 5D based on the 5d camera name that's where that came from that's yeah that, yeah 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 because i knew you'd done that I could, yeah right i could never figure out what the 5d was about and did you have one of these cameras at the time no because they were very hard to get yes they right? were they so what i started doing was posting all of the stores that possibly had inventory and I would go into camera forums and I would just say, hey, I found this, blah, blah, blah. And so people would gravitate. So I did my own finding of my audience. I went to where they were and said, hey, come over and see this new site, right? Long story short, eventually I became in the top 55,000 websites on the planet, according to Alexa, which is a website that ranks, right? Top 55,000, that's pretty high. Yeah, well, I, when you say 55,000, it's like, what? But, I mean, how many million or billion websites are there out there? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And most websites are in the millions, right, of 
traffic in ranking. So anyway, uh, that starts going really well. Uh, I ended up going to a conference in LA, met a, a lot of really cool people, did my first interviews with the camera and you know, all kinds of fun things happened. And then um, I went to NAB in Las Vegas, which is the National Association of Broadcasters. I'm scheduled to go there and Boeing sends, or my boss calls me from Boeing on, on um, February 14th, Valentine's Day and says, I'm sorry, you were person number 600 picked on our layoff list. You oh, were the last goodness. person picked. And if we have a recall, you'll be the first one to come back. So I went out to my wife. She was sitting in the living room. I said, uh, I just got laid off. I'm internally jumping up and down because frankly, I was done with that job, right? right I right. wanted to be doing something different, but at the same time, that's scary supporting the family. I got new kids, they're five and seven or something like that. Uh-oh, what are we yeah, gonna do? Now you have no steady income. Right. But they gave me a six-month severance package. Oh, I like that. And and I already had Planet 5D up and running. It wasn't fully blown yet, but it was it was starting to run and I was starting to get advertisers. So I'm like, I got six months to make this work. So I ran with it. My wife nervously said, okay. <laughs> I, I've heard long, that voice before. <laughs> yeah, long story short there, Within three years, I was making more money than I was at Bowen. Wow. Yeah, success, right? So, so what was the, what was the, before we move on, what was the key to that? And, and, and I know the internet world has changed, but I'm just yeah. wondering whether there's something that, you know, that's really key that we can still be doing. I had the right information at the right time. I was posting incessantly every forum that was talking about this new camera. It was a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And, and a lot of times you don't just post saying, hey, come over to my website, right? Because then you'll get slapped. Totally. So you put it in your signature and you, you, know, you try to hint around it kind of stuff. But I was bringing my own traffic manually. But presumably you were providing information that people on those forums and places wanted it was helpful information exactly because right? that's the key to it right and and that hasn't right. that's that has still not changed so so right. the mechanism might have changed but again it's back to that being helpful and solving problems and connecting with people that's still key right right and what i was doing was curating i was going out and doing the legwork that everybody else wanted to do, but didn't have time, right? Mm. So I spent the time going around to the news sites and, and taking cameras or whatever new kind of hot thing, and I curated it. And every day I sent out a newsletter that says, here's the latest news. Every day? Every day, yes. And that's, that's one of the keys at the time was consistency. They could expect that that email was going to show up every morning at nine o'clock. Right. Okay. Consistency. That's another yes. key idea here. And I don't think anything has changed there. Exactly. And you know, because... Consistency is still key, right? 
Yes. And you know, I, I'm struggling with that in my new business. We've talked about that before. Mm. That's one of the things. And I, I even told my wife the other day, it dawned on me that I was getting ready for bed. And one of the thoughts that goes through my head is, did I fill out my time summary for Boeing? Now it's 14 years since I worked for them, right? 12 years. But it still goes through my head every night, the consistency, because I did it for 32 years, right? Did I fill out my time card every isn't, day? Isn't that interesting? Those kind of <laughs> and, ingrained habits. Yes. And every morning right now, I well, I won't say every morning, but many mornings, I see nine o'clock hit and I go, oh, I should have sent out an email today. <laughs> it's that consistency, that repetitiveness, that, that, still sticks in that creates those triggers right to do the things that we know we need to be doing exactly wow i mean there's so much in that because if we could just take those ideas and put them into our own lives and our own businesses we transform our lives exactly and that's the struggle most people have right making habits that are repetitive enough that they become internalized that you do them, your brain triggers them no matter what. Right? Yeah, ab absolutely. Okay, so yeah. that's really that's <laughs> really helpful, really useful stuff. So back to the story, you're now, uh, you've now just been laid off at Boeing. You've uh -huh. got your, your new blog up and running. You're posting if, every day and you're in, you're sending emails and newsletters every day and you're, you're in the forums helping people and then what happens? You know what creeps in? Imposter syndrome. Ah, interesting. Now, it is interesting because that's what has changed me so much with Thank You Page Magic. And we'll get to that in a second. Somewhere in 2013, 2014 timeframe, because I did Planet 5D for 11 years, right? So in that middle frame, early frame, I ran into several people when I went to conferences or whatever. And one of them in particular, his name was Jared. He accosted me mentally in a bar after party kind of thing. And he said, Mitch, and he was pointing his finger. He was right in my face. And he says, you're not a filmmaker. You're just a damn reporter. And I went, okay, that's fine. I'm a, I'm a good reporter. He said, but you're not a filmmaker. And the other websites that were in this space were all run by filmmakers who were using these cameras on a daily basis. And that's where the imposter came in for me. My heart really felt that because the more I did filmmaking, quote unquote, the more I realized I didn't want to do it. I wanted to do photography, but I really wasn't a filmmaker. My heart was not a filmmaker. I could report on it, but because, and I, I eventually learned because I was doing uh, live shows from that NAB, the, the convention in Vegas mm. in between 2000 and 15 and 2019, I was doing live shows from the floor of that huge convention. And the first question people would always ask me is, well, what piece of gear have you seen today that's really cool? 
Hmm. And I would say, well, I met Richard over here. Richard's a really great filmmaker, right? He knows how to do this kind of stuff. But because I wasn't a filmmaker, I didn't know how to use the gear and therefore I didn't know what was the really hot stuff. I always changed the topic and it hurt me because I knew that guy was right. <laughs> and so there's a lot wrapped up in that, right? <laughs> I, I, I mean, there's a huge amount wrapped up in that, uh, Mitch, yeah. because you translated it as if you were an imposter. And yet what I also see is that you have a major advantage on all the others because you're not the filmmaker. And so you're able to be more objective. But it's interesting that that's not the thought that went through your head. Yes, exactly. So <laughs> during that same time frame, what I started hearing from my marketing guy was that I should be running contests for the vendors who were paying me to advertise. Okay. And I said, why would I run a contest for these guys? And he said, by the way, you should charge them a lot for that. And I said, why, why would I charge them for that? And he says, well, because when you do a contest, you collect emails. Those emails are leads. Those are potential camera buyers, gear buyers. Mm. And I said, they're never going to pay for that. And then he said, Mitch, did you know that on Facebook, People are paying between five to fifty dollars to get an email address on their leads when when they pay for an ad. I said, "What? <laughs> okay." <laughs> so that's when I started learning about the value of a lead. I had no clue up until that time what the value of an email address really was. Yeah. So I started running contests. So I became an expert at running contests. And I found out that contests were fun, that they work really, really well to bring in these leads, that vendors were willing to pay for them. And it was something that I could easily learn and know a heck of a lot more than everybody else on the planet. And so- That's a great position I, to be in. Right, and guess what? I don't feel like an imposter. Because there are there are not so many people, as it turns out, who are experts at running campaigns for contests. I'm like, oh, I can go into that niche really easily. I can just shift my focus over to that. And at one of the one of the camera conferences I went to, one of the marketing people took me aside and she said, "Hey, I have a horsey business. All right, I'm in the equine world." I know you know a lot about cameras, but would this work in the equine industry? And I said, well, hell yeah. And so that just blew my mind. I remember that day I was like, holy cow, I could go outside the camera world into all kinds of different industries. Yeah. And so that's what really sealed it for me was that I could, I could satisfy people. It was fun to run contests and I could learn to be an expert very easily and turn that into revenue. Yeah, and, and so then around about that time, you came across a piece of software called UpViral and that made everything a whole lot easier, right? Exactly. 
And so you're now, there's now, this is really interesting because there is now this kind of coming together of your background with software and uh -huh. everything you've learned on, you know, Planet 5D and everything you've learned there about leads and the value of leads. And now these things are coming together. Mm -hmm. And and you're feel you're beginning to feel like you've found your calling. This is something you can do. So tell tell us more about that. How are you feeling now at this point? I'm still feeling like if we were put in on a scale of one to ten, I'm still about a nine. There's still something that nags me. One of the things that happens a lot on the internet is if you tell an entrepreneur, hey, you should run a contest because it's going to bring you lots of leads. There's this firm belief in their minds because they've read it on the internet or they've tried to run a contest. The belief they have is that contest leads never buy. I can, hmm. I can collect a lot of leads, but they'll never buy from me. I've tried it. It doesn't work, Mitch. I've heard that a bazillion times. Now I can counter that because I will invariably ask them, okay, so you ran a contest and believe it or not, my very first contest, when I was running my own business, I was starting up a or a video forum that attached to my website and I wanted people to come over to the forum. So I gave away an iPad, got lots of people that were interested in iPads five of them joined the photography video forum, right? Right. So I learned that lesson very early on. And most people that have run a contest have done something similar. Absolutely. Hey, here's a $50 Amazon gift card. Come join my photography forum. And doesn't work, right? They don't care. Yeah. You're putting up the wrong offer. It's all about the offer. But the point I'm trying to make is that I still had to try to convince people that contests were the right thing to do because they already have a mindset. And so yeah. I still had this imposter-ish kind of syndrome. I'm confident in what I'm doing, but sometimes it's harder to teach people and to be confident in that when they already have this framework in their head that it's not going to work anyway. Mm. So I struggled for several years about that. I talked to one of my mentors. He said, okay, don't be the contest guy, be the traffic guy. Because entrepreneurs don't want to run contests. They're not Googling how to run a contest. They're Googling how to get traffic. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So I'll be the traffic guy. Last May, I had a conversation with Jennifer, my mindset coach. I was telling her what I do and she's uh, explaining it step-by-step step because she wanted me to present it to her audience, hmm. entrepreneurs. And she said, well, Mitch, isn't that page, that second page of this funnel thing, isn't that called the thank you page? I said, yeah. She said, why don't you use that word? Because UpViral that you mentioned before calls it the share page. And I've always used that phrase because that's what they call it, right? But an entrepreneur does not know what a share page is. I had no but idea. I've ne say, never heard that term before. Exactly, right? 
But if I say thank you page to you, you go. I know exactly what yeah. that is. <laughs> Which page is it, Richard? It's the one after they opt in or buy something or whatever, right? Yeah. They've given up something and you're saying thank you to them. Yeah. Everybody gets it. And this major light bulb went off over my head. It's the same theory that I've been teaching and talking about all along, but now I'm shifting it to just simply make it very simple. We've all preached about making things simple. Absolutely. And, and when you have this revelation, when you feel so good about something, I'm now at a scale of one to 10, I'm at 11. I get fired up about this stuff and I get really passionate as you can see, and bam, off we go. So I'm rebranding everything because those are the words that the people say, and they almost instantly get it, right? If I say, well, we're going to have a little fun on the thank you page and we're gonna ask people to give a referral, isn't that the perfect time to ask somebody for a referral? Yeah. If, if Richard just signed up to get my offer and I say, thank you, and I say, hey, Richard, would you think about one person who might benefit from this? Richard goes, oh, I know somebody. That's the perfect time to be asking Richard about that. So you say, hey, Richard, I'll give you this extra bonus if you refer a person to me. Now it's a win-win, right? Yeah. You give me another person, I'll give you something else you weren't expecting. Bam, off it goes. And... Nobody's teaching this, nobody is informing others, and I could go on and on, but those people are more likely to buy from you because they're referred. When Richard recommends somebody, they're more likely to be interested in it than if I go pay for an ad on Facebook. Yeah, very much so. So this is all just 20 years of fiddling with all this stuff is just exploding in my head. And I have to share it with people because it's going to change the world. Yeah. And I think I think it's interesting that you would hit these kind of crisis points or points where you were challenged and you had to figure out how to get through them and something would come along and then you'd pursue that or you'd have an insight and it would right. just change everything. And I, I love this, the story you tell about working with your mindset coach and that she just asked you a question and that simple gave question. you a simple yeah. question. It gave you a new insight and it changed everything. How, how can we position ourselves, do you think, or, or what have you learned about positioning yourselves to get those insights to enable you to keep moving forward? Well, I think in this particular instance, it's very obvious people preach this all the time that are the teachers of this famous stuff about all the stuff we talk about. Know your audience, right? I was using our words, the, the software words. I was not sitting down and talking to somebody that is my target market that could give me the words that I need to say to get other people like her to understand it. Right. I just so never you, did it. You were using your language, your tech right. insider jargon, and you're assuming right. that everybody knows what you're saying, but that isn't exactly. the language that your audience uses. Exactly. That's that's fascinating. Uh, um, we it's huge. 
It, it really is. I mean, we so need to learn to listen to the actual words that our audience says. Yeah. Well, the gurus, I'll tell you to do it, but... You know, we tend to not do the things the gurus say sometimes. Well, well I, I don't know. I, I think we try. It's, yeah. But we have our own filters. Right. So somebody says something and we hear what we hear what they say, but then we put them through our filter and turn them into our words. And then we put our words back to them instead of right. using their words. And in that right. process of filtering, the, the, the words get changed and the meaning gets changed. And we exactly. think we're saying the same thing back to them. And they're coming back to us going, are you not listening to me? And, yeah. and we don't even get that they're saying back to us that they're not, they feel like they're not being listened to anymore. Uh-huh. And you would think, by the way, as a side story, you would have thought that I had learned this lesson back at Boeing 30 years ago. Because I remember distinctly a woman I was doing a presentation who was my customer, my perfect avatar for that software, crying while I was doing the presentation. And I asked her later, she says, well, you're not listening to me. You didn't hear what I told you. And I was like, I see it now, right? I see it again. It comes back again, but I didn't listen at the time. I. I heard what she said, but I did not repeat it to her in the words she wanted to hear. Okay, so that's interesting because I think you just answered the question I was going to ask, and that is how do we truly learn to listen to our customers or our client avatar or our, our potential customers? How do we truly learn to hear? If I, I guess I say if I knew that, I would have been doing this better 20 years ago. But it is, it is true that... If you sit down and especially I think what I have sort of learned later is to talk to the people, right? And I even tell my audience, because they ask me, what's the perfect gift to give or a contest prize? I said, well, you need to go talk to your audience. You need to find out what they want. Mm. And we don't do enough of that as entrepreneurs. Like you said, we have this filter. We have this hat that we wear that we think we know what's going on and i don't know that there's any special trick to uh to listening and learn how to listen better other than to do it yeah I, that that is really interesting because i i've you know you know i'm in the middle of or coming towards the end of a project that i'm about to put right. out into the world and i was just thinking about it yesterday what am I actually going to say? What's the one-liner that I'm going to say on my website? And and I've been playing with some different ideas. And I thought, you know what? I think I actually need to contact a bunch of people who are close to me who know what I'm doing and who like what I'm doing and have already paid money, bought into what I'm doing, and actually right. ask them the question, what is the problem that you're hoping this product is going to solve for you so that I actually get their words because I think I know what it solves I mean I do know what it solves I built the flipping thing right <laughs> I created the product and and it's uh -huh. but I'm still sitting there thinking maybe I'm saying it my way not saying it or using the words 
that my client wants to hear or needs to hear in order to be convinced that this is going to provide the solution that they need. Right. But it's kind of embarrassing. I mean, some of these people have actually purchased from me and now I'm going out to them saying, hey, what is it you're actually hoping that this is going to solve for you? <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, but I'm convinced I need to do it. And I know these people well enough that they'll understand. But yeah. I, th I think that's the key. And I think that part of it is that we've got to get over our own embarrassment yeah. about going and actually talking to people. I mean, I've said this a number of times to, to a number of uh, business owners that I coach. Have you actually asked your people what they want? Have you actually asked your people what they love about what you're delivering? Have you actually asked them what they don't care about so much? Because if you can find that out, you know, you can eliminate a whole lot of the content or material that you're are producing that they actually don't care about anyway but if you don't ask them you don't yeah. know exactly that it, it is so true and it's taken me so long to get to that point i mean i have contacted people that are contesters people that do contests 24 hours a day seven days a week they think that's their job but i never really talked to them about if i gave them something if i ran a contest better what what would trigger them and that's what i should have been doing and that's i mean major takeaway from this whole conversation is that fact right to be able to sit down and listen to those people gurus talk about if you're going to create a training program to run a beta first right mm. instead of just spending hours and hours recording all the videos because if you do it live with people what are you going to get feedback from them as to what they really want to know and it's very true it really does help we just tend to think we have this ego and we know what the hell they want and you know like we're steve jobs or somebody that can just say this is what you really want you yeah. don't know any better but here it is I think that's one aspect to it. You're right. I think there's also another aspect to it. And that is that if we're getting people coming into a better program that we haven't created yet, it feels like we're almost uh, ripping them off because we haven't, we haven't got any substantial value to give them yet. That's and yet, and yet, and, and that's a massive struggle. So we think we have to create something and if we build it, they will come. Exactly. And, and yet there are so many stories of people who have built amazing things that nobody wanted. Yep. You know? Exactly. And, and I, think we've, I think we've got to learn to trust ourselves more that we didn't get to where we've got to because we don't have any experience or we don't know something. And sometimes I think if we could just sit down with our people, sit down with our audience, and ask them a question, what would you really like to know? Right. And as soon as they ask you the questions, you're in and away you go. And I, I really think it is a whole belief thing that we need to develop in ourselves. Yeah. You're listening to this podcast because you're interested in making progress. If you're still interested in making progress, it's probably because you've made a whole lot of progress already in the past 
And my guess is that you know something and you have some experience that other people would absolutely give the world to know. Right. But we've got to stop and take the time to talk to people and listen to their answers. Exactly. Yeah. The only other thing that I would add to that, if I may, is to have the confidence in yourself to hear what your heart is telling you. Absolutely. That's, That's where I was stuck for so long, like with Planet 5D, going, this doesn't feel quite right, but I gotta do it to feed the family. Right. Mm. And if I had listened, I feel like if I had listened to that more internally, I would have spent more time asking, okay, how can I shift this? How can I do this in a way that I feel like the real true expert, which I eventually did, but spend some more time with yourself on those topics. Yeah. Yeah. That that's challenging. That, that's that's really that's really good, Mitch. Okay, so now you're working on Thank You Page Magic. Can you tell us a little bit about that? It's simple. <laughs> I just I am so amazed at how simple this is. Now the the struggle that I've had in the last six nine months since I talked to Jennifer was how do I translate that? Because when I'm doing the contest stuff, the stuff that I've been wanting and have taught for the last four or five years. And by the way, I'm the world's expert, quote unquote, according to the UpViral team about UpViral. And I do a weekly show for them live where I answer questions and I teach people. But that feels, it's sort of the end of the process, right? It's the advanced feature of, okay, how do you run a contest? How do you use this tool to bring in tons of people they like to say it goes viral right and and what i'm doing with thank you page magic is like okay if you could add 10 percent to your business and do that on a regular basis you're going to grow faster than if you can't right yeah and if and if and if i tell people well let's say i'm going to help you grow your business by 10 percent some people go well i keep seeing all these people that say well i want a 5x or 10x your business and I, I feel fake. I mean, I've had advisors tell me, well, just start using those phrases. I'm like, nah, that just feels icky because I can't prove that's going to happen. But I can guarantee you that, that one out of 10 people will do a referral for you, mm. especially if you dangle something in front of them. I mean, my rate, the, the math says my referral rate is 43%. Wow in my business. So if I can get even 10% for you, and I'm the expert, right? If I could get you 10% more leads, that's 10% more sales, theoretically, if you know how to convert your people to sales, who wouldn't want 10% more business, more sales, more revenue. So what I'm simply doing is showing people on the simple side of it, how to start asking for those referrals, because we know those are more valuable than a Facebook person coming in. Hmm. How to start asking for that on your thank you page, in your emails, et cetera. Be comfortable with it. And when you're really comfortable, now come back to me and I'll teach you how to use the software, how to really blow it up to the 43% or more. I have one of my mastermind students that's getting 
300%. For every lead wow. he brings in on the front, he's bringing three people, right? Wow. So it can it can be explosive in the right scenarios. It's not always going to work that way for everybody, which is why I don't want to use those phrases. Right. But if I can say you're going to grow 10% or 20% of your business every year from now on, people will love to do that. And that will have an impact on the world. Absolutely. Mitch, this has been a fascinating, a fascinating discussion. Thank you so Thank much. You. If You're welcome. If people want to get in touch with you, where can they do that? I have this website, which, you know, is actually called thankyoupagemagic.com. It's very simple. That's fantastic. We'll link to that in the show notes. Out of all we've discussed here today, if you were to leave us with just one thought, what would it be? Trust in yourself. Think about what your heart is telling you, whether you're on the right path or not. Don't consume all the external pressures. Do what really feels right to you. People are much happier when they're doing what they love. Do that. Thank you, Mitch. This has been a fantastic conversation. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Richard. I loved this conversation with Mitch. There were so many great takeaways. The most powerful for me was when we talked about learning to really listen to your audience. This is a skill I think we would all do well to develop to a greater level. So what were your takeaways? I'd love you to send me a message and let me know what you got out of this conversation. You can do this by clicking the Video Ask link in the show notes below. Video Ask is a cool app where you can leave me a message. I'd especially like to know your thoughts on this episode, but feel free to share whatever you'd like to. I'm always up for a chat. And if you leave me your email address, I will message you back. As I'm sure you've realized, I'm passionate about helping people make progress. One of the ways I do this is by helping membership owners and course creators set up progress pod accountability groups that use the next tiny step method. If you'd like to find out more about the Progress Pod Accountability Group system and how it can help your people make more progress faster and increase your membership retention, go to richardrelston.com. There's a link in the show notes. And if you've heard something in this episode that you thought was interesting, helpful or valuable, I'd really appreciate it if you would take the next tiny step and head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. You might also like to share this podcast with a friend. Please remember to hit that subscribe button. Until next time, remember to use the next tiny step method to help you focus on progress because it's your tiny steps taken consistently over time that will enable you to produce massive results.